What is going on, you guys? My name is Justin. Yikes. And you, but you can call me J-Swag. And welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk with Swag. Um, yeah, thanks for stopping by here. If you're in the Facebook Live, thanks for checking it out. If you're not, if you listen to the audio, also appreciate you. Um, yeah, we are here. <clears throat> Took a week off. I was on vacation. Well, I did an episode the first week I was there. But uh, I don't want to say it went badly. <clears throat> it was a good episode, but the internet at the house we were staying at was quite poorly. So um, the live stream portion of it, I think, was pretty garbaggio. Uh, so I do apologize for that. But, you know, some things you just can't account for. So <clears throat> took the second week off there. But we're back now. Um, and we're talking some NBA. Uh, and... I guess we could technically start this episode off with the fact that the NBA is officially back. Um, I mean, it's technically not back yet, but they have decided to be back, to come back. Um, So that's very exciting. Uh, It was, I mean, the return date is still tentative, but it was... Originally July 31st, now they're trying to push for July 30th because apparently that one day is going to make a huge difference. I don't know. Um, It's going to happen in Orlando. Basically, it's so there's 22 teams. Uh, It's the current one through eight seeds in each conference plus any team that is within six games of the eighth seed. So that's five teams from the West and one team from the East, which is fairly laughable. Um, but yeah, so then what was I going to say? Yeah, so there's a play-in potentially for the eighth seed where if the they're playing eight regular season games, I should say that as well, eight regular season games to finalize the playoff seeding. If after the regular season ends, there is a team that is within four games of the eighth, if the ninth seed is within four games of the eighth seed, then there's basically a best of two uh, series. But it's a little tricky because it's not quite because it's they'll play a game. If the eighth seed wins, then they win. They're the eighth seed. If the ninth seed wins, then they have to then win a second game in a row to then get the eighth seed. Uh, so pretty interesting. I would imagine that is going to happen, seeing as right now there's five teams in the West that are within six games and one team in the East that's within six games. So it feels pretty inevitable that it's going to happen. Um, but we'll see um, and we'll see if more details are you know kind of hammered out about that. Um, or come to light. I'm trying to think of what else. Yeah, it's all in Orlando. Um, players are going to get tested every day. And if you test positive, you basically have to quarantine yourself for two weeks. Um, 
Playoffs are, are as usual, it's still all best of seven series. So they basically figured out that the last possible finals game would be October like 9th, I think, or 10th. And then like the draft is like the 12th of the October, and then free agency is the 15th of October. Um, I don't know if those dates are exactly right but the timeline is essentially. And then December 1st, they're aiming to start next season and have it be a truncated season. Um, so yeah, it's it's all still much, very much in motion, I think. Those are all like the general parameters that the Board of Governors and teams agreed upon last week. Um, but as I said, everything's still being finalized and figured out. I mean, it's been agreed upon, so it is happening, but I think there, it's just all the details are still kind of being finalized and whatnot. But anyway, so that's just a quick little news update uh, to start this NBA episode off. Very exciting. Um, I've always said if they're able to do it in a health and healthy and safe way, I think there's no reason to not bring it back. Um, we'll see how it goes. I would be curious to see if, like, they return and within, like, you know, you know, within a week, if like, like, you know, 10 to 20, you know, or more players or staff test positive, if they would then put it back on hiatus slash just cancel the season. Um, that would be interesting to see. I mean, I hope that doesn't happen, obviously, but I'm sure there's some sort of a uh, contingency plan in place for if and when stuff like that does happen. But again, hoping it doesn't. And it seems as though, you know, the NBA, Adam Silver, the Board of Governors, the teams, the players are all taking it very seriously and trying to be healthy. And they have... Um, one of the things I was questioning when this first came out was, you know, these people are kind of... They're like they've signed contracts, so they're kind of being forced to come back almost. But I have we have learned since then uh, that player it's it's all voluntary, volunteer basis. So if a player or staff member or you know anything anyone who would be part of this is uh, uncomfortable or doesn't want to do it, they do not have to. There will be no repercussions. Uh, so that's always good to see slash here as well. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, with that being said, um, we can go ahead and hop in to the episode. Um, well, to the actual content of the episode. We are continuing the series that we started a couple weeks back. And most recent episode was part two of that. And this is now going to be part three. All right. So this is not what I want. Bear with me for a second here. I'll just go ahead and stop the audio. A little. Oh, no. Here we go. All right. Audio is back up. Video is looking fine. So let's go ahead and get into this. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> So as I was saying, this is a continuation of the series that we've been doing for the past couple of weeks, um, where I think it was about three weeks ago, 
ESPN released uh, an article, you know, whatever, of ranking or releasing, you know, putting together the all-time starting five lineups for every NBA team, looking at just their resume from when they were with that specific team. Um, and that's basically it, and just having fun with it. Uh, and I have kind of taken the uh, a little fun experiment with it of, looking at it and kind of analyzing this team specifically the chemistry of the players with each other, you know, statistics uh, and basically trying to see which of these teams, if all of them actually played an NBA regular season game or season would actually win, you know, and be the best. Um, So obviously, like I mentioned, chemistry is a big part of that with the players working well together Um, statistics, the way they play um, all that kind of stuff. So how we, how we are looking at this is we break it down by each team in position. They have just five. It's positionless, um, so it's not you know point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. It's just guards, forwards, centers, however many or little as you want of each of those. Um, so you'll see some teams that have three guards, some that have three forwards, no center, stuff like that. Um, and we look at basically how much time they spent with that team, uh, their points per game, assists per game, and rebounds per game when they were with that team. Um, any accolades, championships, awards that they got during that time, we will look at. And then there's one advanced statistic that I will go over again, just in case there's anyone new here, in case you've forgotten since last time. That is called the box plus minus. What this is, is it is a box score-based measurement that estimates a player's performance relative to the league average, uh, and it's expressed on a per 100 possessions basis. So it's essentially just it's a way to compare one player to another, um, you know, one player to the league average, I should say, based on box score uh, measurements. So if a player has a BPM of five, that means that they are five points better than an average player over 100 possessions. Um, Anything above eight is considered very good. And anything in the double digits is like not unheard of, but that's like top elite Hall of Fame, you're an incredible player level. Um, And the highest ever single season BPM was 15.6, which Russell Westbrook did in 2017 during his MVP season. So we look at the, their, the players average BPM with during the time that they were with the team. And then I also list just their highest single season BPM as well. So we can kind of get an average of like generally in their time, this is where they were relative to the league average and then their highest single season one of just like this is this was their peak this was where they were at um because some players are just really consistent overall and maybe they have like one season that's a little higher than the rest some people are just pretty low consistently but they have a really good season some people are really good consistently and then they have an even better season so all stuff like that to be considered but i didn't want to confuse or overcomplicate things with a lot of advanced statistics. So I just picked one and one that I thought was the easiest to understand 
but also that kind of encapsulates a lot, especially since we're looking at basic box score measurements. I figured it tied in well. So anyways, context and introduction aside, let's get into it. All right. We are starting off with, we're going to do the Southwest division tonight. So in the NBA, you have the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. We finished the Eastern Conference. We're now in the Western Conference. Each conference has three divisions, uh, five teams in each division, so times six conferences, 30 teams. And I figured that instead of trying to split it up eight and seven again, that was just a little too much, so I just wanted to do one division at a time and just do three parts for the Western Conference to make it a little bit more digestible. So we're doing the Southwest Division tonight, which is the Rockets, the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, the Spurs, and the Pelicans slash Hornets. So we are going to start tonight off with the Houston Rockets. And coming in at guard one is James Harden. Um, He has, up to this date, spent eight seasons with the Rockets. Um, In that time, he has averaged 30 points per game, eight assists, six rebounds, uh, 8.1 BPM average, his highest season uh, was 11.0, which was two years ago when he won MVP. I believe he was at 10.6 last year. Um, and he's in double digits again this year, I'm pretty sure. Um, in that time, he has been an eight-time All-Star, so every single season he's been with the Rockets, he's been an All-Star. Uh, he's a two-time scoring champion, one-time assists champion, six-time All-NBA, and one-time MVP winner. So this was obviously a no-brainer. It was just whether or not he's going to be guard one or guard two. Um, Because when you look at guards for the Rockets historically, obviously James Harden is a big one that comes to mind. Um, Steve Francis could maybe be considered in there. Um, You could look at, you know, if you want to get defensive, you could even look at like Patrick Beverly, um, Aaron Brooks is someone that comes to mind. Um, Calvin Murphy, historically, uh, you could say Tracy McGrady, but he's more of a small, like a forward than a guard. Um, Eric Gordon comes to mind as of recent, even Chris Paul, just, I mean, he only spent two years with the Rockets, but that's another name that you could throw in there. But all of those names and all that into consideration, I think it does make sense to have Harden not only as one of the guards, but as your guard one kind of running the point um, because, you know, he's shown that he can succeed in it. And he was the assists leader in the league when he was playing point guard for the uh, for the Rockets. And, you know, it, just, it makes sense. I, I have no complaints. Obviously, he's going to be on this list, as I said. Um, one of the best Rockets players of all time. Uh, yeah. So, uh, by the way, if you're in the Facebook live stream, please feel free to comment, you know, in, in the Facebook chat, uh, your thoughts and opinions on, 
on these rankings and my thoughts and everything. I'd love to have an open discussion. All right. Moving on to guard two, we have Calvin Murphy. Uh, spent 13 seasons, his entire career, uh, with the Houston Rockets. 18 points a game, four assists, two rebounds, uh, 0.6 BPM average. His highest season was 1.6. Uh, and he is a one-time All-Star. So Calvin Murphy, you know, a name that I just mentioned, um, and, you know, makes sense that he's on the list. I think a lot of people, again, for the casual fans, probably not a name that you've heard, but if you're more uh, in-depth in NBA history, especially with the Rockets, you definitely know Calvin Murphy's name. Um he, I believe, is either third or fourth in their all-time scoring list for the franchise. Um, you know, again, spent his whole career there. He's a good scorer. Um, he kind of was relatively a s- similar to James Harden where he's kind of like a true shooting guard or he's just a shoot-first, score-first guard. So he played both point guard and shooting guard throughout his entire career. Um so, I, and I think fits in this role great with James Harden being who he is. You didn't want to have another guard being another, you know, ball-hungry, needing the offense to run through them guard. Um, so I think Calvin Murphy is a great fit because he can kind of just sit back and be a good offensive bailout for Harden when he's not able to get anything going. Um, or if James wants to play off the ball, Calvin Murphy can, uh, you know, do he'll be more than fine with running the point. Um, so again, that, it makes sense. I think it's good. Um, again, some names you could have thrown Eric Gordon in there um, because he's, you know, a, a good like off the ball guard to play along with. Um, again, Patrick Beverly you could have thrown in there just for defense, defense sake. Um, trying to think of other shooting guards or just guards. I think these two guys make the most sense for for Houston. Uh they their uh strong point has really been in in forwards in in backcourt really. So um all right, next up forward one is Tracy McGrady. No real surprise there. Uh 6 seasons with the Rockets. 23 points per game, six assists, six rebounds, 5.0 BPM average, 6.7 was his highest season. He was a three-time All-Star with them and three-time All-NBA. So we all know Tracy McGrady. We also broke down his career, you know, a bunch in the last episode for the Magic when he was there. He, uh, was he, I don't think he was traded. I think he signed with the Rockets after his contract ran up with the Magic. Um, so, you know, coming off of those electric seasons where he was, you know, top five MVP voting, back-to-back scoring champion, um, a solid, solid player um, on just a team that wasn't that great. Um, and then came to Houston, and he had a little more support, and they were able to make some consistent playoff runs, but obviously were never able to get over the hump and make it into the Western Conference Finals. Uh, granted, he was having to go through... The Suns, who had Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, Sean Marion, Quentin Richardson, 
then he had to go through the Spurs with their, you know, with Tim Duncan, uh, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, had to go through the Lakers with Kobe and Pau Gasol, um, had to go through the Nuggets with Carmelo and Chauncey and Allen Iverson, um, you know, other teams that I'm sure I, you know, didn't come to my mind, but those off the top of my head, obviously are the ones, um, so the West was just stacked, uh, and that's obviously the biggest knock, I think, on Tracy's career is just that he was never able to lead his team into a deep playoff run or get them into the finals. Um, but that's not a you know necessarily something to focus on here for this specific exercise. Um, in terms of chemistry, I don't know how he and James Harden would play together. Um because they both do rely fairly heavily on the ball being in their hands. Um, and I would expect that whoever is the coach, and regardless of who the coach... Uh-oh, hold on. There we go. All right, audio, we are back. And we have audio back uh, on Facebook. Apologies. I hate that that keeps happening. One of these days, we won't have any technical issues um and look at that the viewer count just jumped up as soon as i fixed my audio that's great timing anyways so back to trace mcgrady and the rockets i would expect that either whoever's their coach or just like whoever you know i, I just i i would see james harden saying well i'm gonna keep the ball in my hands tracy you're gonna have to figure it out and play off ball um, and I just don't know how that would, how well that would go over. Um, I don't know how much Tracy would like that. I would, I would see Tracy McGrady being the bigger man in that situation and saying, I'll play more off ball and we'll let the offense flow through you. Uh, but Tracy did ex excel when he had the ball in his hands. So that is a little bit of a point, you know, of, uh, contention that you would definitely want to keep your eyes on. Um, and to keep into consideration for this exercise. Uh, forward two, Rudy Tomjanovich. Tomjanovic. I don't know how to say his last name. Sorry. Uh, spent his whole career, 11 seasons with the Rockets, 17 points a game, two assists, eight rebounds, 0 0.8 BPM average, 3.2 was his highest, and he was a five-time All-Star. Um... Another solid pick, quality pick. You can't argue really against it um, of him not being deserving. Um, I mean, you could make an argument of... you may, Like, I don't know. You might want to sub him out for like someone like Elvin Hayes for like his time that he, he spent with the Rockets. Um you can maybe even make a case for Charles Barkley, even though that was at the end of his career. Um, but again, it's, it's a solid pick for Rudy. Um, just a good classic forward. Um, he, he was kind of all over the place. He would play small forward, power forward. And I think he played center a little bit too. Um, but so he's versatile and another player that I think would fit in well with the team, uh, like Calvin Murphy, where it kind of just like sit back and, let the ball come to him and he can more than exceed when needed to, but doesn't have to, you know, uh, doesn't rely on it. Um, so 
And with that versatility, you, you're, get, you're gonna get some good defense too, which will be helpful. Uh, but you are getting good defense overall with this team, um, which is good. Um, but yeah, I think he would fit in great with this team. I think it's a quality pick. Again, I think the only real person that you might want to make an argument for would be Elvin Hayes. Uh, but that would be pretty crowded with him being at power forward. Because uh, he's a big dude. I think he typically played center. But obviously, you can't take center away from the next and final pick for the Rockets, Hakeem Olajuwon, uh, who, in my book, is one of the most underrated NBA players of all time, and he's still considered one of the greatest NBA players of all time. But I think people still just don't give him enough credit. Because uh, I think he's truly a remarkable was truly a remarkable talent and a sight to behold um, and did some incredible things on the court. Um, So let's, let's look at some stats. Spent 17 seasons with the Rockets. 17 of his 18 played his last year with Toronto. Uh, 23 points a game, three assists, 11 rebounds, um, 4.8 4.8 BPM average, 7.5 was his highest. Um, this is where it really gets juicy here. 12-time All-Star, two-time rebound champion, three-time blocking champion, two-time NBA champion, and those were back-to-back, 12-time All-NBA, nine-time All-Defensive, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, one-time MVP. He's the NBA's all-time leader in blocks, and he is top 10 all-time in steals. And that's one thing that I think gets really overlooked about him and his game uh, from just like casual fans who may not know a whole lot about him, is he is a guy who played center his entire career. What is the all-time leader in blocks, averaged like three and a half blocks a game in his entire career, which is insane. Great rebounder, two-time rebounding champion, three-time block champion, and he's top ten all-time in steals. Like along with like guys like John Stockton and Jason Kidd, and you know Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and right up there with them is uh, Hakeem Olajuwon at center. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. Um, so just to kind of break it down, obviously there is no one else that you could pick for, uh, for this role. He's the greatest rocket without, of all time, without a doubt. There's no one close, no matter how good James Harden is right now. Can't get better than Hakeem Olajuwon in a Rockets jersey. Um, again, I think he's 11th or 12th all-time in scoring. He's, I think, top 15 in rebounds. He's number one in blocks. He's top 10 in steals. Um, Just a truly incredible, versatile player. Obviously made the dream shake famous of, you know, a center having really great footwork um, and ball handles. Uh, Had a great turnaround jump shot, you know, great hook shot and he was good at the shimmy shake that you know that's what the dream shake was of the just like 
back to the just his pump fakes with either his back or his chest to the basket and just the ball fakes and the movement was unbelievable. You got to just watch some highlights of Hakeem. He's one of my favorite basketball players of all time. Um, and I never even got to watch him play. Um, but just from all the highlights I've seen and just of, you know, watching, you know, basketball documentary stuff of showing him truly incredible talent. I think he, I think he would fit in well with this team. Um, Again, he was used to being the offensive threat on the team. So, again, going to be some chemistry issues with James Harden. But I think that if you let the offense flow through James, I think he's reliable enough to get Hakeem involved to the point where he's still contributing as most as he can. Because, again, he's incredibly gifted offensively, but he's just as much, if not even more incredibly gifted defensively. Uh, you know, lest, lest we forget, all-time leader in blocks, top 10 in steals, two-time defensive player of the year. And he led the Rockets to back-to-back finals championships. Um, and people will always say, well, well, the only reason he got that is just because that was the two years that Michael Jordan left the NBA. So people try to just like discount those championships because it's like, well... Michael Jordan wasn't there, so it doesn't really count, which I think is garbage. Um, Because who knows? If the Bulls ended up meeting the Rockets, because they never played each other in the finals, but if the Bulls ended up meeting those Rockets team in the finals either of those years, who knows what could have happened? You know? I mean, it's not like Jordan was invincible in the finals. I mean, he was 6-0, didn't lose any finals, Never saw game seven, so he was very good in the finals. Uh, But, you know, it's not like every single time he went to the finals, he swept. Um, So it's just, you know, something to consider. But all that being said, Hakeem Olajuwon, obviously that's the pick you're going to go with for, for the center, for the Rockets. Overall, this lineup... I think has some good cohesion. Again, I just think the main issue is going to be with Harden and what kind of game he's having and what kind of mood he's in, honestly. Um, From being a Rockets fan for two years when Chris Ball was there, I had to endure a lot of crap that he put put up. Um, I mean, and obviously outside of those few crap games is a lot of incredible games because I'm not trying to take away anything from James Harden's skills and talent as a basketball player because he's one of the most offensively gifted players of all time, one of the best scorers of all time. I'm not going to take that away from him. It's just when you put that in a team environment, especially with people who on this team can contribute insane amounts, you could run into some issues because, again, you know, James Harden, there's always questions with, his chemistry and, you know, getting along with his teammates. Um, and he does tend to play hero ball a lot and he just loves to shoot the ball. And that may not fly with some other guys who aren't just like, well, yeah, I mean, he is who he is and that's what he's going to do, you know? So it's just interesting to note. That's all. Um, so yeah, so that's the Rockets. Um, 
and we will pick back up with the Mavericks uh, right after this commercial break. All right, we're back. On to the Dallas Mavericks. And this is just like a weird team overall. I don't really know how this team would work. But that being said, starting off with guard one, Derek Harper. Uh, spent 12 seasons with the Mavs. 14 points, 6 assists, 3 rebounds, 2.3 BPM average. 5.2 was his highest season. And he was a two-time all-defensive player uh, in that time. So no all-star appearances. Um, no all NBA nods. Um, I, you know, I haven't really seen much of or read much of about Derek Harper, so I can't comment too much on him, but seems like he's just kind of your quality, you know, seems like someone who would almost be like a modern day Mike Conley, uh, for those of you who know who he is, where it's kind of like, uh, a point guard who's just good at what they do. They have good court vision, getting their player, their teammates involved. Not going to be a prolific assister like Jason Kidd or Steve Nash or Chris Paul or John Stockton, um, but gets the job done. Gets his teammates involved. Can score when needed, uh, and is just a good lockdown defender on the wing. So this is probably the one that I take most issue with just because you could make a case for Jason Kidd in this position. You could really even make a case for Steve Nash in this position. Um, you could have Jason Terry at point maybe. Um, but you know, overall it's not a bad pick. I just think, I don't know. I mean, it's tough because Jason Kidd played with the Mavs at towards the end of his career, uh, but he did help them win a championship and was definitely a big part of them winning that championship uh, against the Heat. So I think personally I'd rather have Jason Kidd in here uh, because, I mean, A, I've just watched him more, so I know more about him, but B, he's just someone who you know is reliable is going to show up and get the job done, get his teammates involved. And just, he was just a player that you could count on for doing what was needed to be done. Um, not known for being a scorer, but if he needed to, he could, you know, he had seasons where he averaged over 20 points a game, but still also averaged close to 10 assists. So if it's just getting his teammates involved, boom, he'll get 20 assists. If he needs to score, he'll get, you know, five threes and score 20 points. Um, if it's being defensive, he'll get, 12 rebounds in the game, five steals, and, you know, lock the player down. So I think I would have gone with Jason Kidd here. But they went with Derek Harper. So, again, no harm, no foul. It's not a bad pick. It's just difference of opinion. Uh, guard two, Jason Terry, as previously mentioned. Uh, eight seasons with the Mavericks, 16 points, four assists, two rebounds, 2.6 BPM, 4.0 was his highest season. One-time NBA champion and one-time sixth man of the year. This is another one where I have slight issue where, again, I have no problem with Jason Terry. I think it's a good quality pick. He Both times they went to the finals, he was on those teams. 
and he was the second leading scorer on both of those teams, obviously behind Dirk Nowitzki both times. Um, so big contributor, and again, another big help to them in winning that championship. But I don't know. I feel like I'd be more inclined to have like Michael Finley there. Um, his contributions on that team were really good, and he was really pivotal for when Dirk first came into the league and kind of helping him, you know, learn the ropes of the NBA um, and worked really well with him. Uh, not to say, obviously, Jason Terry worked great with Dirk too, because um, let's be honest, this team is going to revolve around Dirk. Um, so again, Derek Harper and Jason Terry, great picks for two guards. I personally would go with Jason Kidd and Michael Finley, uh, but can't go wrong either way or with any of those combos too. Um, all right. Guard three. So this is a team that has three guards, two forwards. Uh, guard three, Rolando Blackman. Spent 11 seasons with the Mavericks, 19 points, three assists, four rebounds, 0.6 BPM average, 2.4 was his high season, and he was a four-time All-Star. This is a quality pick again. This is one I feel more confident and assured in uh, because Rolando is just a very reliable, consistent player. Um, I mean, 19-3-4 kind of just filling in the, the stat line there. Um, just showed up for the team and, and did what needed to be done, I think. Um, never really caused, caused any headaches or kerfuffles. Um, wasn't selfish with the ball, just kind of showed up and played basketball and, and played well. Um, unfortunately, he was stuck on some really, really bad teams uh, with the Mavericks. But um, he was able to, um, early in his, in, in his career, he was able to, uh, to team up with Mark Aguirre pretty well and get some playoff runs in there. Um, but a quality choice, again, no issue here. Um, again, you can make a case for even Michael Finley being in this spot and, you know, bumping it around. Um, trying to think of who else. For the Mavericks, the Mavs haven't had a whole lot of. I mean, you could say Mark Aguirre in that position again. It's just like positions one through four for the Mavericks are very fluid because it's like you have Jason Kidd, who for my team for this would be guard one because he's just, he is a point guard. He's going to be running the offense. Uh, but then outside of that, for your. Positions two through four, you can have any sort of combination of Jason Terry, Rolando Blackman, Mark Aguirre, Michael Finley. Um, you could, well, no, that wasn't. Um, you could throw, um, obviously, Derek Harper in, his, in there as well. You could throw... Um, Peja in there from his because he helped them win a championship. You could throw against Steve Nash in there as well. You could throw Luca in there if you really wanted to. 
Um, you could throw Josh Howard in there. Uh, just a lot of people to consider that are all pretty fluid through position for positions two through four. But I do think Rolando Blackman kind of earned his spot on this team. So that's one that I think would stick. Um, so, yeah. Uh, moving on to forward one is Mark Aguirre. Eight seasons with the Mavs, 25 points a game, four assists, six rebounds, 2.1 BPM average, 3.8 was his highest, and he was a three-time All-Star. Definitely the best so far on this squad, uh, Mark Aguirre. Drafted number one overall for the team in the 80s. Um, made an instant impact. And again, once Rolando Blackman was drafted uh, to the team, they really started clicking and working well. Got some, you know, 50, 50 win seasons, made some playoff runs. Uh, he, Mark Aguirre was really a, a great player. He was just a really electric scorer. He was a really good scorer for the team. Um, more of a small forward than power forward, I think. But again, it's positionless. He's, they're going to be playing small ball here. Um, so nothing, nothing really wrong with that, but. Um, I think the only knock on him was just that he didn't always have a great, the greatest attitude and his relationship with the Mavericks really soured and had a pretty nasty exit from the team when he was traded to the Pistons and then went on to win back-to-back titles with them. Uh, but his role was significantly dim- diminished. But that being said, I think a great pick for this team. Another one that I think him and Rolando were kind of both shoe-ins of just like, all right, yeah, these guys are definitely on the team. Let's figure out where and who they're playing with. Um, and obviously forward two is Dirk Nowitzki. No questions there. His entire career, 21 seasons with the Mavericks. Uh, 21 points a game, two assists, eight rebounds, 4.5 BPM average, 8.3 was his highest. Uh, 14-time All-Star, one-time NBA champion, 12-time All-NBA, and one-time MVP. What can what more really needs to be said about Dirk? We all know who he is. We all know how uh, incredible a basketball player was and how consistent he was. Great leader, great person, great basketball player. Um, really helped bring Euro ball to the NBA. I'd say like him, Pau Gasol, Manu Ginobili uh, were really key and pivotal in bringing not only just European athletes over to the NBA, but specifically changing the way that the game was played. And especially for big men, you know, Dirk was very essential in kind of the stretch four, stretch five position of big men who are, you know, seven feet tall and can win three point contests. Um, But also just that classic turnaround knee up fade that he, uh, made famous, great too. So, obviously, a shoe in pick for this, no brainer. So overall, I think this team's gonna have really good chemistry. Um, you don't have anyone who needs the ball in their hands too much. Um, you have some. I mean, with this one specifically, with Derek Harper and Jason Terry, you have some great ball ball movement guys who are gonna get their teammates involved. Um. Again, my personal pick would have would be to have the lineup be Jason Kidd, Michael Finley, Rolando Blackman, Mark Aguirre, Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, I think that would be a better team. 
But overall, this team's not going to have many chemistry issues, I don't think. But I just think in terms of uh, skill, I think they're going to be relying a lot, one, on Mark Aguirre and Dirk Nowitzki doing pretty much all the scoring. But two, you're going to have to rely on the small ball working. Because, uh, I mean, obviously Dirk Nowitzki is seven feet tall. So he's not like he's short to play center. But he excelled and played the vast majority of his career at power forward. Uh, and that's where he excelled and did really well. Um, but when you look at this team, it makes sense. I mean, you could say maybe Jason Kidd, uh, Michael Finley, Mark Aguirre, Dirk Nowitzki, and then, but then it's like, who do you put at center? Cause they never really had that many talented centers who would like contribute that much. They would just be a center to be a center. You know, like you could have like, um, oh, what was his name? Eric Dampier. Um, you could have like, what other centers did they have? Sean Bradley. Um, I think they had, do they have Marcus Camby for a little bit? Just like guys like that who are like seven, five and get like 20 rebounds a game. And like, that's it. Um, not to say that they're bad players. It's just that you're relying on them mostly for rebounding and rim protection, which isn't a bad thing again, because you're not going to get a whole lot of that with Dirk because he was more known for his offensive skills than his defensive. Again, not saying he's a bad defender but that could help out the team a little bit more. Um, but that being said, again, good team, not great. Um, I think this team, could they win a finals in today's NBA? I'm going to say no because of that reason I just kind of went over of it, them relying on the small ball. And I just, mm, but having Dirk, obviously he would fit right in with all the offensive systems today's NBA. It's just tough because you don't know how they would work together. Because you got like three guys who played in the 80s and then two guys who played in the 2000s. So it's just it's just difficult to, to say. That's, you know, part of this whole thing. Uh, it's just opinion-based. So my opinion is I think they'd be good, not great. So there you go. Okay, moving on now to the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, and I have a sneeze coming. <coughs> Thank you. All right, Memphis Grizzlies. This this is a funny team because it's essentially just the team from like nine years ago, but with one exception, um, <clears throat> which I have no problem with because I think that's the best line if you could come up with. Um, so starting off at guard one, we have Mike Conley. Spent 12 seasons with the Grizzlies, 15 points, five assists, three rebounds during that time, 2.4 BPM average, and 6.8 was his highest season. Uh, and he was a one-time all-defensive player. I think I think he was voted into one all-star team, maybe two, and like 
he missed them uh, due to injury. I know I'm almost positive it was at least once that he was voted in, but he was injured, so he didn't get to play in it. Um, but yeah, I, quality pick here. You can't really, I mean, you could make a case for Jason Williams or like Mike Bibby, but at the end of the day, with this lineup and the chemistry, it just makes sense to go with Mike Conley. Um, and I think when it comes down to it, I think he's a better player than both of those guys. Um, so yeah, just makes sense to have Mike Conley here. Guard two is Tony Allen. Um, seven seasons with the Grizzlies, nine points, one assist, four rebounds, 0.8 BPM average, 3.6 was his highest. Didn't fill up the stat sheet at all, but six time all defensive. Uh, so six out of the seven years, he made the all defensive team. Uh, this is another pick that makes complete sense. Um, I mean, he was a part of that grit and grind, grind city, whatever the heck their name was, um, kind of team uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, and he was definitely, I think, the defensive backbone and anchor of that team. Uh, he was definitely in the consideration for defensive player of the year almost every single year he played for them. Um, one of the best, if not the best, wing defender year in and year out when he was playing. Um Gave 120% on every play. <clears throat> Again, averaged nine points a game. I mean, it was just like, oh, shoot, you know, nothing's going on. I got the ball in my hands, I, and I got to lay up here. That's That was when and why he scored. Um, I mean, he was just the prototypical defensive guard. Um, and again, just fits right in with this team, so... No, uh, no harm, no foul there. And like in terms of other shooting guards for the Grizzlies, the only one that comes to mind is like OJ Mayo, and like he's just a huge bust, so I wouldn't want him over Tony Allen. Um, yeah, again, Jason Williams. You could say, but again, it just it makes more sense to have Tony on, Tony on with this team. I'd rather have him. <clears throat> um, all right, next up is forward one, which is Sharif Abdur-Rahim. Uh, spent five seasons with the Vancouver Grizzlies uh, when the team first came about. 21 points a game, three assists, eight rebounds, 1.2 BPM, 2.2 was his highest. Sharif was a great player, um, started off his career with Vancouver and then spent a couple years in Atlanta and, and those like five to like eight years, I believe in total, uh, were just like killer. He was a great scorer, um, good rebounder, just a quality overall forward, um, who just was again, just stuck with some real, real crap teams. Um, I mean, he averaged 21 and eight over five seasons. And I think over that time they had like 60 wins in total. Um, so just some real garbage teams, but he was a bright spot, uh, for those teams. Um, so great pick here. This is, he's the one who wasn't a part of the grind city, um, team. So it was just like, when you're kind of thinking of this team, it was just like the four of them made total sense. And it's like, all right, who are you going to have play forward, like small forward for them? Like, who do you want to sub in there? Um, you could say him. You could obviously make a case for Rudy Gay, who was there for a 
decent part of the time in Grind City, um, who would be a great pick as well. I think Sharif is just a little bit better, had a little bit more of a leg up on him um, because Sharif just played better, I think. You know, I think during his time, excuse me, I'm so burpy. During his time with the Grizzlies, I think Rudy Gay averaged probably like 16 or 17 points, three assists, and like six or seven rebounds. And Sharif was just – his; those numbers are just a little higher. So it just makes sense to have him. Again, you could say O.J. Mayo, but I wouldn't want him there. Um, and outside of that, not a whole lot of picks. Uh, again, this is a relatively new franchise, all things considered. So not a whole lot of talent to pick from. Um, not to say that the talent isn't there with this team. Uh, so then forward two is Zach Randolph. Uh, eight seasons with the Grizzlies. 17 points, two assists, 10 rebounds. 0.7 BPM average. 2.6 was his highest season. Um, and he was a two-time All-Star and one-time All-NBA player. Uh, I love Zach Randolph. Zebo. Um, he was a fun player to watch because that guy gave like a 1,000% on every play and just like... It just seemed like every time offensively the ball was in his hands, he was going to score no matter how many times it took. It's not like he, every time he had the ball, he was going to score per se, but it's like he'd go up for like a shot or like a, you know, yeah, like a shot underneath the basket or like a jumper from close in. Sometimes he'd make it, sometimes he missed. But if he missed, he was getting his own rebound, putting it up again. And if he missed, he'd put it up and again. And it's just like every offensive rebound was always like he followed up his shot and got the rebound like half the time, I feel like. Um, and just like anytime the offense would like he was the offense, it was just like the ball was going to keep going up and down in his hands until it went in or until, until someone fouled him or someone hit it out of bounds. It was just like the guy gobbled up rebounds. Um, and was just, again, the d- definition of grit and grind. Um, great defender too, um, but definitely he was more of the offensive um, punch for that team. Uh, and especially he was, speaking of like the grit part of it, is he was, you know, I don't want to call him a fighter, but I mean, he was feisty on the court. Um, you know, he was he was a dog, and I, you know, I think someone who anyone would love to have on their team because uh, he just gave it his absolute all um, and left it all on the court. So another no-brainer pick here. Uh, and then finally finishing out at center is Mark Gasol, not Brother Pal. Uh, 11 seasons with the Grizzlies, 15 points, 3 assists, 8 rebounds, 3.2 BPM, 5.2 was his highest. Three-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, one-time All-Defensive, and one-time Defensive Player of the Year. Now, some people may be sitting here saying, should have gone with Powell. Powell's the better player. Powell's the better of the two. And I think traditionally speaking, I would agree with you. And I'd say, yeah, I think I'd rather take Powell. But when you look at this team, and knowing that four of these guys played together for years and were... A powerhouse in the NBA, honestly. Um, you got to pick Mark over Powell because it's basically just you take the same core of a player, 
you give it more offensive uh, prowess, you have Powell. You give it more defensive prowess, you have Mark. And with this team, you want the defensive prowess. Um, because again, he's just he's going to be the defensive anchor holding down uh, and protecting the rim uh, down low. Big presence. He's a big guy. Um, and eventually learned how to stretch his game out to now where he's able to shoot the three fairly well and has a decent jumper, um, but obviously is still good down low. So I think it makes more sense to have Mark for this team. Again, I think traditionally all around, I would say that Pow is the better player, but um, I think Mark works well with this team. So looking at the team overall, yeah, Mike Conley, Tony Allen, Sharif Abdurrahim, Zach Randolph, Marcus Ohl. Um, for the Western Conference, the entire Western Conference, this is my sleeper pick to win. Um, and that may surprise people. I know that's definitely they're a dark horse that a lot of people probably just brush past. Um, but it's a, let me actually pull out my calculator and let's see if we add all of it, all of their averages, we're getting 15 plus nine plus 21 plus 17 plus 15. This team is averaging 77 points a game. If you take all of their career averages with the Grizzlies, it's 77 points a game. But this team defensively is only going to allow 70 points a game. Um, it's like this and the Pistons, I think, are far and away the two best defensive teams in this whole aura. Um, and... It just, I think it makes the absolute most sense. Um, just for this lineup to be what it is and for them to succeed because everyone, no one ever really took them seriously when they were around as a team in the NBA a couple of years ago, but they're consistently making deep playoff runs uh, and shutting teams down. Obviously, I don't think they ever made it to a Western Conference Finals. Maybe they did one year. Um, but, again, at the end of the day, they're having to go through Kobe's Lakers. They're having to go through the Dirk Mavericks, the Tim Duncan Spurs. Um, so, again, a loaded conference to try to get through. Um which they were never never able to fully do, but again, I might put a lot of I might put some money on this team. Um, I, I, they're my sleeper pick to win the West for this little exercise because they're really good. Um, yeah, so that's the Grizzlies. Um, we just got a question in the chat, which is a really good one. It says, "What if the Grizzlies? What if it's the Grizzlies versus the Pistons in the finals? Would it be a boring defensive game?" And this is a very subjective um it's going to be a subjective answer because it depends just on what kind of basketball you like watching um and so it would definitely be a defense first low scoring game but i don't know for me i don't think it would be boring um because I mean, 
I think a lot of times people think of when it's a low scoring defensive game, they think of it being just like really sloppy, which is not the same as just really good defense because I think it's like, and I'm going to compare two different sports here. So it's a little tough, but it's like a low scoring game that was sloppy is when UConn with Kemba Walker beat Gordon Hayward and Butler in the NCAA March Madness final championship game. Uh, and that was one of the, if probably the sloppiest and ugliest game of basketball I've ever watched in my entire life. It was so ugly. It was just so many turnovers. The ball was just not going in the basket. It was so low scoring field goal percentage on both sides were just awful. And it wasn't because of good defense. It was just because of a lot of people playing poorly. As opposed to uh, last year's um, Super Bowl of the Rams versus the Patriots, a lot of people viewed that as just a boring game. But it was a good classic defensive standoff, which was interesting because it was two of the best offenses in the game going against each other, but their defenses really collided and played well. Um, not to say that they both have bad defenses, but they were both more known for their offense. Um, but that was just like a defensive standoff, and there was a good quality game that ended up having a low score, but it wasn't... Some, and again, some people thought it was boring. A lot of people, I think, thought it was boring. Uh, but the party that I was at when I was watching, we were kind of enjoying it because it was like, this is just a good, hard-fought game, and it's hard to score. You know, it's different of just like, man, no one can buy a bucket compared to you. It's hard to score, and you got to earn those points. Um, and so I think this finals matchup of Grizzlies versus Pistons would be one of those where instead of it being ugly and it's just like, oh, my gosh, can someone please just score? It's like, oh my gosh, when is someone going to score? This is crazy. Like, it's just so many defensive stops and it's hard to, you know, get a good layup or it's hard to get a good shot off. Um, I think that's more what it'd be like. So I think it would be a high quality defensive game. I don't think it would necessarily be boring. But again, that's totally subjective because some people may see the defensive game and be like, Boring, don't care. I want it to be 200 to 200, and I want it to be 53 pointers and a lot of slam dunks in offense. So it's just whatever you like. All right, moving along. We now have the New Orleans Pelicans slash Hornets slash Oklahoma City Hornets. Um... <clears throat> Starting us off at guard one, it's Chris Paul. Six seasons with the Hornets, 19 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds, 7.7 BPM average, 11.0 highest season. Four-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year, three-time All-NBA, three-time All-Defensive, two-time Assist Champion, four-time Steals Champion, and should be one-time MVP, too. I'm bitter about it. And if you thought I was just going to go through this and not bring it up, then you're wrong. You're just wrong. And there's no way around it. Um, so in the 2008-2009 season, Kobe Bryant won his only MVP, which still baffles me that he only has one MVP. Um, 
But Chris Paul was robbed, and I think a lot of people agree. Um, he had a stellar season, took the Hornets to the Western Conference Finals, where they eventually lost to uh, the Spurs, um, I believe. Or was it the second round? Or do I have... Deep playoff run, great regular season, the best season probably in Hornets history. Um, and it was anchored by Chris Paul, led the league in assists, and I believe steals as well. I believe had his highest points per game uh, average for a season that year. Um, really just like took that team and carried them on his back. Um, obviously, had he had a good support system, um, but he was the main catalyst. Uh, and he should have won MVP, but everyone gave it to Kobe instead. Uh, I think because it was one of those years where it was between the two of them, and everyone's like, I think all the media people were like, how has Kobe not won an MVP yet? He has to win one. This is the year for us to just give it to him, when it should have been Chris Paul who won it, um, which is a bummer. But, oh, well. Uh, so Chris Paul obviously makes a ton of sense for this for this spot. Um Really can't go with anyone else here. Uh, he's definitely the best point guard that the franchise has ever seen. Um, Drew Holiday is the other guard on this team, so that's the only other person who you can make a an argument for at guard one. So, yeah. Um, uh, guard two is Drew Holiday, as I just mentioned. Uh, seven seasons with the Pelicans, 18 points, seven assists, four rebounds, uh, 2.0 BPM average, 3.0 was his highest, and he's a two-time all-defensive player. Um, again, I think he was voted into one all-star game but couldn't play because he was injured or... Yeah, I think he was injured. Um, but, yeah, again, makes sense. If he wasn't going to be guard one, he's got to be guard two. He's a great player, and he's really coming to his own, especially just since coming to the Pelicans. I think he was great and underrated for the 76ers when he started off his career, but he was able to kind of blossom for whatever reason uh, with the Pelicans, and especially under Alvin Gentry. Um, makes sense here. You could make not great cases for like Peja or Eric Gordon um, that's basically it for the second guard that you can make arguments for. But Eric Gordon's stint was underwhelming with the Pelicans. He or Hornets. He was better on the Clippers and now currently the Rockets. Um, and Peja was just he was helpful to the team. But he was just oft injured and could never fully contribute, um, especially just with the way that he contributed in, in Sacramento. It just doesn't really compare. So makes sense for Drew Holiday to be in this position. So uh, no arguments here. Forward one is Jamal Moshburn, uh, or Mashburn. I don't know how to say his last name. Um, two seasons with the Hornets, the last two seasons of his career, a very short career. Uh, 22 points, five assists, six rebounds. 1.5 BPM, 2.2 was his highest. One-time All-Star, one-time All-NBA. Obviously, I think Jamal is probably more well-known for his time with the Mavericks. That's I, I kept trying to think of his name earlier when I was going over the Mavericks. He's the other person that you could make an argument for to be in, in that lineup. Um, but 
obviously, so he's did more well known for his time in the Mavericks just because that's where he spent the majority of his career and found more success. But he did great with the Hornets uh, for the two years that he played with them. Again, it was just the last two years of his career. But for the last two years of your career to average 22, 5, and 6 um, and get an all-star nod is pretty great. Um, so I always liked Jamal. Jamal, uh, I thought he was an underrated player. I think when you just think of players, I think his name never really comes up. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't think he's an all-time great, but I think he's just a, an underappreciated player. I think he was a solid, all-around good player. Um, you know, obviously a great score, but good passer too. Five assists as a forward, it's pretty good, uh, especially for when he was playing in the '90s and early, early, early 2000s. Um, you didn't have a whole lot of passing forwards like you know guys like LeBron, um, stuff like that. So. Yeah, another quality pick makes sense. Again, you can try to make an argument for Peja. The article in ESPN said you could make an argument for Brandon Ingram too, which I think is insane because he's not even played a full season with the team. So it's like, no. Obviously, that doesn't... If he keeps playing how he has for the next two years, then yes, I'd say you can make an argument for that because that's the same amount of time that Jamal played. But a guy who's played 60 games for the team as opposed to two full years with an all-star appearance and all NBA nod and the stats that he put up. It's just like, come on, like don't disrespect them all like that. Um, but yeah, forward to a no brainer. It's David West, uh, eight seasons with the Hornets, 16 points, two assists, seven rebounds, 1.1 BPM average, 2.8 was his highest season. And he was a two time all-star. Like I said, pretty pretty big no-brainer. Uh, I think when you think of the Hornets all together uh, in New Orleans, uh, you think of Chris Paul, and then you think of David West um, personally. So I think it makes total sense to have David West here. Um, he was a great player, good contributor, another guy who kind of gave 110% on every play, similar kind of play style to Zach Randolph. Uh, not as good a rebounder uh, as him but still a, a talented guy. Um, and he worked really well with Chris Paul. So that's obviously going to work to their advantage with this exercise because they're on the same team again. Um, in terms of other people, there's no one really... I mean, if you wanted to move Anthony Davis, spoiler alert, uh, up to power forward, I guess you could. But then it's like, who, you gonna, who, who do you put in center then? Like Tyson Chandler? Like, I don't know. I'd rather have Anthony Davis down there with that position. Um, so yeah, I, it makes sense to have David West here. I agree. No, no, uh, complaints here. Uh, and then finally, like I just spoiled the center is Anthony Davis. Again, no question here. Seven seasons with the Pelicans, 24 points a game, two assists, 11 rebounds, um, 6.1 BPM average, 9.4 was his highest. Uh, six-time All-Star, three-time Blocks champion, three-time All-NBA, and three-time All-Defensive. Um, if you currently watch the NBA, you know everything you need to know about Anthony Davis. He's consistently uh, getting MVP votes. He's consistently being voted to the All-Star team, uh, consistently leading the league in blocks, top 10 in rebounds and scoring. Um, I mean, 24 and 11 for the first seven out of your first eight years of your career is, is great. 
and to have a 9.4 BPM average season in there is obviously stellar too. Um, great defender, great scorer. Um, he's only getting better. I still don't, I don't know if we've still even seen yet the best of Anthony Davis. So, which is scary. Um, so especially when you consider that he was only just recently paired up with Drew Holiday coming into his own. And outside of that, even when, I mean, a, without that, it was just him. And then B, once he finally got Drew Holiday on his team, um, it was just the two of them, and they didn't have a whole lot of help. So with this team, I think he's going to fit right in. So overall, excuse me, overall, I think this is a good team. I think you're going to have zero chemistry issues whatsoever. Um, you know, in the backcourt, you got two really gifted guards who are going to lock down anyone that they're defending. Um, they're going to get their teammates involved to the max, and they're also very capable of scoring when it needs. You have one of the most clutch fourth quarter players of all time in Chris Paul. Um, and obviously one of the best point guards of all time. Jamal Moshburn is just a quality forward uh, who, and David West, who both kind of just fill in that front court um, who are solid presences, who are going to score the ball. Um, and, you know, they won't be defensive liabilities, but they're not going to necessarily lock people down. But that's not a big issue when you have two incredibly defensive guards and Anthony Davis, who again is going to anchor this team, um, definitely be the primary scorer. Um, and you know, it's just, this is a quality, this is another sleeper pit. I mean, they're not a sleeper pick, but they're just going to be a team that probably gets overlooked for just like the name of the Lakers. I mean, obviously the Lakers are going to be an incredible team when we go over them, but it's just like, people are just going to be like Pelicans now move, move along. Um, but this is a team I would say you should take seriously. I don't today's NBA. This the pairing of Chris Paul with Anthony Davis would be scary. And like that could be a key pairing to like potentially win a championship, honestly. Um if they're able to get the cards to work out in their favor, you know, of just the general luck that you need to make it to the finals they could definitely beat a lot of the Eastern Conference teams, I think. I really do. Um, am I biased because Chris Ball is my favorite player of all time? Yeah, maybe. A little bit. Maybe a lot. I don't know. It's bias. How do I? How can you really tell how biased you are? You know? There's a little philosophy question for, for you to think about. All right. Let's finish this thing off strong here. With... The final team, and I, I meant it when I said finish it off strong, with those gosh darn San Antonio Spurs who I just feel like, as an NBA fan, the players that I like, I just can never escape the San Antonio Spurs. Because I was a Tracy McGrady fan when he was on the Rockets, and so obviously they had a whole rivalry, in-state rivalry with the Spurs, and then I was a Chris Paul fan, so on the Hornets and on the Clippers and now and on the Rockets. I mean, not really right now in the Thunder, but the Hornets, the Clippers, and the Rockets all as well having to deal with the Spurs. This team just does not and would not go away. I mean, they've kind of gone away now since everyone's retired or left the team. But let's dive into it. Guard one. 
obviously, Tony Parker. 17 seasons with the Spurs, 16 points, 6 assists, 3 rebounds, 1.2 BPM average, 3.6 was his highest season, 6-time All-Star, 4-time NBA champion, 4-time All-NBA. I'm just going to go right through these because it just makes sense and there's really nothing more you can say until you get to a whole team. Guard 2, it's Manu Ginobili. 16 seasons with the Spurs, 13 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds, 5.0 BPM average, 8.3 was his highest season, 2-time All-Star, 4-time NBA champion, 2-time All-NBA, 1-time 6-man of the year. Forward 1, George Gervin, 12 seasons with the Spurs, 26 points, 3 assists, 5 rebounds, 2.8 BPM average, 4.8 was his highest season, 12-time All-Star, 4-time scoring champion, 7-time All-NBA, 2-time All-ABA. Forward 2, it's Tim Duncan, 19 seasons with the Spurs, 19 points a game, 3 assists, 11 rebounds, 5.6 BPM average, 8.5 was his highest season, 15-time All-Star, 5-time NBA champion, 15-time All-NBA, 15-time All-Defensive, 2-time MVP, 1-time Rookie of the Year, because you can't win that more than once. And at center, rounding us up, it's obviously David Robinson, the Admiral, 14 seasons with the Spurs, 21 points per game, 3 assists, 11 rebounds, 7.5 BPM average, 11.9 was his highest season, 10-time All-Star, 1-time scoring champion, 1-time rebounding champion, 1-time block champion, 2-time NBA champion, 10-time All-NBA, 8-time All-Defensive, 1-time Defensive Player of the Year, 1-time MVP, and Rookie of the Year. I ran out of breath going through his accolades. Good heavens, this team, man. What the heck? It's an average of... Like 14, 15 seasons with the team. They all spent at least 12 seasons with the team. Unbelievable. Unreal. I mean, this team, I mean, it's clearly in the Southwest Division, the Spurs are running away with this division. It's not even close. There's no argument you can make against it. This team with Tony Parker, Manu, and Tim Duncan, that team itself already ran away with the Southwest Division for 19 years. They had, I think it was 20-plus years in a row of at least 50 wins and making the playoffs. Um, One of the best, if not the best, trio of players of all time. And then obviously Tim Duncan and David Robinson played together. They won two championships together. Uh, That pairing of big men is just stupid scary. David Robinson, one of the best centers of all time. And then George Gervin casually just slipping in there real quick of one of the smoothest scorers, like the inventor of the finger roll. Uh, One of the smoothest, most pure scoring players of all time in NBA or ABA history. It's just like this team is just unfair, and they won't go away. I stand by what I said. Um, every player makes sense for this for their position. Uh, you can't make any arguments. The only possible argument you could make would be to sub out Manu and put in Kawhi, 
but that's only if you're assuring me that we're doing substitutes and Manu is my sixth man because he excelled as a sixth man. I mean, he won six man of the year. He had an, I, it wasn't that year, but he had a really high BPM that year. And that was actually the year that he went six man of the year was his highest scoring output for a season. Um, I mean, he had an 8.3 average. This, he was just the epitome of maximizing and efficiently making use of your time on the court. Um, because I think he did more often than not come off the bench for the Spurs, but like he maximized his time on the court and that's why his BPM is so high because when you, when you hear 13 points, four assists, four rebounds, it's not great. It's not bad. You know, it's just quality average output. But when you put that into the 25 minutes a game that he was playing, that's just so maximized when you, you know, boil it down to, you know, comparing it with other people playing those minutes or those stats compared to other people playing more minutes. And when you just kind of all put it on a flat, even surface, it really elevates his game. Um, were they the first team with two big men? Well, two big men by like them. Um, I'm trying to think. They may have been where it's just like two seven foot guys who worked so well together. Probably. I mean, one that I can think of. I'm trying to think of like, so like Bill Russell didn't have anyone else like him on their team. Will Chamberlain didn't have anyone else his size on the team. Shaq never had anyone his size on any of his teams. Dwight Howard never had everyone never had anyone his size. Yao Ming never had anyone his size. Hakeem, I mean, he was considered relatively short for a center. But yeah. And especially just the time that you got. Like you had David Robinson just coming out of his prime when they drafted uh, Tim Duncan, and Tim Duncan just came right into the NBA out of college and was just like, yep, I'm an all-star. I'm great. Um, And immediately helped them win a championship. Uh, I mean, not immediately, but within like two or three years. Um, I think he was drafted in 96, and they won in 99. But, I mean, he won Rookie of the Year anyway. Um, so, I mean, again, I really don't have to break this team down for you because if you watch the NBA, if you've watched at any time, you've heard of at least three of these guys, if not every single one. Um, and it's hilarious to me that like of all five of them, George Gervin is literally one who kind of just sneaks in there. It's just like, oh yeah, George Gervin is a small forward who like, People may not know his name, but he like legitimately like basically invented like the finger roll. Like if you've watched someone go the finger roll layup, that was like he made that famous the same way that like Kareem popularized the the sky hook, sky hook jump shot, same way that Hakeem Olajuwon, um, you know, popularized the dream shake and the pump fakes, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's just wild. This team is so ridiculously talented, and you can't choose anyone else for this team. Again, some people would say put Kawhi in over Manu, um, but when you consider the amount of time that each of these players spent with the team, again, 17, 16, 12, 19, 14, 
that's unheard of. Like Tony Parker spent 17 out of his 18 years in the NBA with the Spurs. So all years, but one of his career, Manu spent his entire career with the Spurs. Tim Duncan spent his entire career with the Spurs. David Robinson spent his entire career with the Spurs. George Gervin spent his entire NBA career with the Spurs and majority of his ABA career with the Spurs, but he had one or two years in Virginia in the ABA. Or no, I think he finished his career with one year in Chicago. But that being said, like, what? This team is unfair. It's ridiculous. And obviously, that's the team who's winning this division. Like, no questions asked. It's easy. They're winning it. But I will say, this is a tough division. Um, I think the Mavs are probably finishing last. So I think, if I had to guess, I would say that the standings for this division would go Spurs winning it, and then probably the Rockets and then the Grizzlies, and then the Pelicans slash Hornets, and then the Mavericks. That would be my guess for the final standings for this division. Um, Yeah, there you go. Those are my thoughts. That's that's the the Southwest division for the all-time NBA starting five lineups. All right, so there you have it. That's the Southwest Division of the Western Conference. Again, we're doing it division by division this time so that it's a little more easy to digest and it's not so long of the episodes. Uh, And it's easier to compare it to just for... uh, Not semantics. I can't even think of the word. But just for the sake of having it be consistent and making the most logical sense, I think it makes the most sense to just do it division by division. So that's the Southwest Division. Again... I have the Spurs in first, then the Rockets, then the Mavericks. No, sorry. Then the Grizzlies, then the Hornets slash Pelicans, then the Mavericks. Um, Quality division, though. I think it's a very talented division. Um, I mean, the West overall, the Western Conference is is just going to be, it's going to be like this every week where it's just like, man, this is tough. But I think each division has one team that's just kind of, running away with it but we'll see though um next week we will do the northwest division and then we're obviously going to finish with the powerhouse of the pacific division um but yeah this was a lot of fun i appreciate um everyone on facebook for joining in on the live uh broadcast of this episode um again I I shouldn't say again because I haven't mentioned it yet, but if you are listening to the audio portion and you haven't been tuning into the Facebook live streams, make sure you're following the page, facebook.com backslash sports talk with swag. Make sure you like the page so you get notified every time that we go live for an episode because every time we do an episode, we do a live stream with it. So you can chat, you know, and ask questions, make comments, and you can see my beautiful face and all the hair that I'm growing in quarantine. Um, and while you're doing that, make sure you head on over to Twitter, twitter.com backslash STWS cast and follow us on Twitter. 
Uh, and then you can head on over to Instagram too, Instagram.com, or I guess really you just would open up your Instagram app on your phone, search Sports Talk with Swag, and you'll find the page there. Um, make sure that you go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, uh, all that stuff. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, this show is there and you can listen to it. Um, and I think each of those has some sort of subscription or following service where you'll get notified and updated whenever a new episode comes out. Uh, you can write an email in to sportstalkwithswag at gmail.com if you just want to say hey or you have a suggestion for a topic to be covered or if you want to be on the show, if you want to talk sports with me, hit me up. I'll have you on. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I want to thank everyone for tuning in, whether it be the audio or the live broadcast. Uh, it means a lot. And I will see you all in the next episode. Peace. Sports Talk with Swear.